Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence. Join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as Christine Lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues. Hello and welcome to Money is Emotional with your host, Christine Lucan. Christine, so good to be back with you. How are you? I am awesome. How are you? I am, I got to be honest, I'm a little distracted this morning because as we were getting together, I kept thinking about that last podcast. You had a color expert, which I didn't even know there was such a thing, a color yes. expert on the show. And it was, it was, it was really eye opening. Even for a colorblind guy like me, I, I found so much value in that. I thought that was pretty amazing. And looking back, and it really, I spent the time between that last podcast and, and now looking back on the company that I started. Cause she talked about, you know, some mess ups that she had with her colors and things. And I'm like, mm -hmm. huh, I wonder how much that really affected my ability to land clients or close clients. Yeah. Yeah. Would it, did you have any realizations like, oh crap, I picked the wrong color to make money. Well, I'm a colorblind guy, so I, 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 who knows, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it talked about different colors that would help and, and I'd have to get somebody to help me with those colors anyway. So yeah, I kind of did go. all my logos on my own, built them and, and all that. So I just kind of picked things willy nilly and probably not a good yeah. idea. So that was a, that was a great podcast though. Yes. Yes, yeah. it was. All right. But on to the day, what are we talking about yes. today? Uh, today we are talking about debt with a purpose. So hmm. most of us know that having too much debt is dangerous for yes. our financial health, but should we strive to be a hundred percent debt free? Like is is any debt okay? And if we're already debt-free, are there instances when it might actually be beneficial to use debt as a tool? I find that people are very rigid about this. You know, if if you're in the debt-free camp, it's almost like a failure if you go back into debt. And so I want to eradicate that because, you know, I stand against shame here mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. financial world. We're all about financial dignity. So I want to have a more nuanced discussion about debt. So this isn't about paying off debt. This is really about looking at how much debt do you really feel comfortable carrying? In what instances would it be potentially a positive thing to use debt? And really examining your motives around why you're using debt. You know that I love analogies, so I'm, I'm going to turn on some analogies here. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I'd love to say that debt is a financial tool, but it can be a dangerous one if we're not careful. I love to say that debt is like a chef's knife. Like If you know how to use it with skill, then you can help create a delicious meal and you're less likely to cut off the tip of your finger. <laughs> right true. yes yeah yep <laughs> but if you're reckless with that knife you could really hurt yourself and so i really like to look at debt this way you know there are some things that are dangerous about it and so we have to use it with caution 
And because we don't want to create lasting damage to our personal finances, mm-hmm. but things are, are not so black and white. And I think that, you know, there are two camps out there where people are like, yes, let's use debt to our advantage. Let's use other people's money, use the leverage, take advantage of all the credit card points. And then you've got the people who are like, screw your credit score. Don't use debt at all. Just basically like live off the credit grid, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Can and I just I say think- that that analogy makes me think of mafia debt? If you're losing fingers, <laughs> <laughs> just, that's all I could picture was when you when you said that uh, Jimmy's coming over to collect and he's either taking some cash or a finger. So yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to derail that. that we would call that bad debt. That would definitely be bad yeah. debt. Like yes. no doubt about it. There's no gray area there. <laughs> bad debt. Got it. Okay. Sorry. Let's get back on track. And the other analogy I like to use is that debt is like a dumbbell. So if I gave you like a two pound dumbbell and said, carry this with you everywhere you go today. And you might be able to like put that in your cargo pants, right? Or your backpack or whatever. And you might even forget about it by the end of the day because it's it's two pounds. Mm-hmm. But if I were to give you like a 50 pound weight and I said, okay, I'm going to strap this on your back and you have to keep this on for the whole entire day. You got to take it with you everywhere you go. That's going to make even the simplest of tasks really hard to do. Like even just bending over to tie your shoe. Yeah. Might, you might fall over and never get back up. Well, I and, love that because it, it just makes me think of being off balance, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So are you carrying around the equivalent of that two pound dumbbell or is it more like a 50 pound weight strapped to your back? So if you have just a little bit of debt and it's not really causing you a strain, either financially or emotionally, because both of those things are important, right? We have to kind of look at the numbers and say, does this make sense that we're carrying this amount of debt? And we also have to look at the emotional factor because there are some people who really get stressed out even with a small amount of debt. Yeah. And so we have to take both of those factors into consideration. You know, you don't necessarily have to be debt-free if you use it cautiously when you're borrowing. So is there such a thing as good debt versus bad debt? You know, it it is not cut and dry. It's not a black and white issue. Yes, there are some things that we can say, mafia debt, yes, that's definitely bad. Hmm. But there's a lot of things that are kind of in the middle, you know? So it's like, I really tell people to ask themselves, am I using debt as a slingshot or a shovel? So what okay. I mean by that, that, that... I was going to say, what does that mean? <laughs> So sometimes when we take debt out, it may seem like we're taking a step back, but in the long run, it's actually going to slingshot us forward. So if we think about, I'll say like the best case scenario, we're going to buy some rental property, right? Let's say we're going to buy a duplex. Mm -hmm. We go into debt. We take a mortgage out on it. Let's just say we're living in half of it and we're renting the other half out. Well, we're getting cash flow from that debt. And hopefully, because we're going to take care of that duplex, that over time, the value is going to increase. So even though on the day that we take the loan out, it may seem like we're taking a step back by using debt. Over the long run, we are actually 
slingshotting ourselves forward because at some point that mortgage is going to be paid off and then we can move out of half and rent that half and then we can go buy something else, Mm -hmm. right? And then we're adding to our investment portfolio. But we can also use it as a shovel. If we are using a credit card to buy things that we really can't afford to pay cash for, and when the bill comes, we're not paying the full amount, we're Mm -hmm. just making the minimum payments, then we're basically digging a hole for ourselves. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Is it right when you started this conversation at the very beginning of the podcast, the first thing I thought of when you were talking about good debt versus bad debt is, you know, 20... 21, 2022, that, that time frame when interest mm-hmm. rates were so low, you know, that I sold one of my homes and was able to move into a home that I had as a rental for a while. And the young couple that bought my home, I mean, it sold, it could have sold the first day if I had taken the very first offer, which is much higher than my listing price. Um, but I knew that that was actually a company. So I, I said no to that, went to the open house, took a slightly lower offer, not much lower, mm-hmm. but it was a younger couple. And their entire thing was they, they knew they were going to have to pay more for a house than maybe it was going to be worth in a year or two because of just the fluctuation of the market. But mm-hmm. they they confided in me or they told me that we we wanted to jump on something right now because they had locked in at like 2.8% or something ridiculous. Wow. Right? Yeah. So 2.9 or whatever it was. So that's not, in my opinion, that's not so bad a debt when you have such a low interest rate, knowing that they're going to be raised, which we've all seen that over the last year, it's now terrible. And trying to buy a home now is way different. So that Mm -hmm. that might not be that 50 pound dumbbell. That may be a much lighter burden to carry because you know, there's increased value in the home, you would hope at at some point. But the fact that your payments are a lot lower because your interest rate is so stinking low. Right. Well, and that is, that's a very good point because yes, we have to look at why are we considering taking on this debt what is its purpose and you know for this couple it was this is going to be our home mm-hmm. you know and we're going to build up equity we're going to build up value but you also have to look at the terms of the debt itself so you could be borrowing for a quote good reason but have unfavorable loan terms yeah, true. which can all of a sudden turn that into a bad thing for sure. And so that's where, you know, we had the um the episode all about your credit score. You know, we kind of talked of, about, you know, it's kind of frustrating sometimes the different things that weigh into your score. But you do need to pay attention to that more so if you know you're going to be borrowing soon because that can make a big difference yes. in how much you pay over the life of the loan, especially with a mortgage or even a car payment where you're going to be paying five, seven, 15, 30 years, a couple of uh, percentage points can, can be huge. Yeah. And, and, and going back to your, your shovel analogy, I'm sure you've seen this. I'm, I'm curious of your thought because one of the things that kind of keeps rattling around in my brain is debt. And let me just put it this way. There's a cost to convenience, right? Mm-hmm. If you stop for fast food nowadays, because it's convenient, it's on your way wherever you're going, that bill to me, it used to be, you know, eight, nine bucks years ago. And me and one other guy went to a local fast food place here, got burger, fries, drink, each got an ice cream cone, and then a a tray of cheese curds, right? To share. It was $38 for two people. And it's a fast food joint. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Right. And it was, it was because we had both missed lunch and yada, yada, yada. And it was like an hour and a half after our normal lunchtime, we were both hungry. Now, 
back to my house was 10 minutes away. We could have both gone on there and eaten leftovers to our heart's content or made something. But now let's just stop right. at this place. I won't name $38. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. So that, that same mentality, the cost of convenience, credit cards mm-hmm. are way too convenient, yeah. right? Yes. Um, I know that you've talked about payday loan places, super convenient yes. when you need some quick cash because they're right there and they'll pretty much give it to anybody with the cost, right? It's just, yeah, a big cost. Do, do you see that with the people that are coming to you when, when they're getting help and they're getting, you know, coaching, are you seeing that a lot of it was, they just weren't very disciplined in certain moments and it was just a, a, a cost of convenience for them. And that's what their situation is. Yeah. Sometimes it, it is definitely that case where, you know, and especially with things like, you know, if someone is putting like some sort of improvement on their house, right? Mm. They're they're building a pool or they're, you know, and of course they're like, oh, well, this financing company, they'll finance this for you, right? And of course they're going to push that because they, they know like, hey, I'm going to get paid, right? Yeah. And I don't know, maybe they're also getting a little kickback from that. Getting a loan for the furniture or the appliances, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is you know, six months, same as cash, but then they don't actually set the the money aside so that it's paid off in time. Then all of a sudden they get hit with like this 24% interest rate. So they're just not being careful. Yeah. You know, like we said, with that chef's knife, you have to be careful and you have to be intentional when you're using debt. Otherwise you're going to get hurt. <laughs> so you definitely need a good reason And you also need good terms if you want a debt to really be good. So let's talk about good debt and, you know, what I call using debt as a slingshot. And honestly, like, this is the only kind of debt that I want to play with personally. So this is when you're borrowing money to buy an asset that increases in value, provides cash flow, or Mm -hmm. both. So when you buy a home, if you take care of it, the general trend is it's going to go up in value, right? That's, you know, unless you completely trash the house or they build a nuclear power plant next to your house, chances are <laughs> it's going to go up in value. So that's an asset, right? Ownership in a business, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, you've been a long-term employee for a company and they say, hey, you know, we're we're raising capital for the business. Would you like to consider being an owner and not just an employee and, and buying into the business? If if you're working in that business, you may say like, hey, I totally see the potential here. I know what's going on. Maybe I do need to get a loan so I can buy some of the stock and be part owner of this company. Or something like rental real estate, which we already talked about. So we're looking at something that's providing some sort of wealth building aspect in our finances. Um, And here's the other thing too, using credit cards and paying them off in full to get the rewards. I think that counts too. (laughs) Oh, good. Because I do that. (laughs) I think that counts too. Every month I go in to my credit card and whatever the cash balance is, I pay it to myself because I I can do that. I can transfer it right into my checking account because it's with the same bank that my checking account is with. And so it's like, I love doing that because it's like, I'm paying myself, even if it's like 25 bucks, I think I just quote unquote paid myself 70 bucks Mm -hmm. from my cashback rewards. And that's, you know, I'm paying it off in full. I'm not paying any interest on it. Why wouldn't you do that? But you got to have the discipline. 
Yeah. You got to have the discipline to do that. Excuse me. Yes, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.christinelukin.com. And all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. Now, the other thing that this one can be a little bit controversial, and that's student loan debt. And this is very much Mm. on a case-by-case basis. So I'll give you an example. I had a client um, quite a few years ago. She She really wanted to get her debt paid off. We had created a plan for her. And she asked me, she said, should I take a year off of nursing school to work and save up the money for school and then go back? And I told her no. I said, I would much rather you power through Mm-hmm. even if you have to take a student loan to finish out your last semester, because we did the math, the starting salary that she could get was an immediate $20,000 more. Yeah. The very next, as soon as she graduated, the next job she was going to have, it was going to immediately increase her income by at least 20 grand. And I said, you know, then let's, let's make a plan to pay off that last semester over two to three years. But you know, that 20 to 25 grand a year, that's like forever. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But we have to be really careful with this, right? Like it, you have to make sure that, you know, the, the amount of loans that you're taking out is going to actually translate into you making more money over a shorter period of time. So, so we won't go too much into that one, but I have people ask me, do you consider that good debt or bad debt? And it is kind of, yeah, it's kind Ish. of a gray yeah. area, I think. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, it can be. So sometimes it might be worth it to pay a little bit of interest if the financial move is going to catapult you forward over time. And that's really what we want to be thinking about. Now, what about using debt as a shovel, aka the bad debt? This is when we're buying things that don't have any lasting value you're digging yourself into a hole. So if you're buying concert tickets and paying for Uber Eats and vacations on credit cards, buying nicer things than you can truly afford with credit, then that's not that's not going to be a good thing. And I hear people say, but I can afford the payment. I should be able to buy this boat now because I can afford the payment. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. A lot of people don't take into consideration what if my household had a cut in income? Can I still afford it? Exactly. So I'll always tell people like, imagine that your household income was cut by 30%. Would you still say, I can afford this payment? Now, if you can, then then maybe, then maybe yes. But you really want to be thinking about that because people think like, oh, my income's only going to go up. I hope that's the case, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. And then you're going to be in a really bad spot. Absolutely. And of course, there are certain types of financing you just want to avoid completely. Definitely mob financing. Don't do that. (laughs) Payday lending, like, please donate plasma before you do payday lending. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Yes, it's they're, they're, they're blood suckers as well, just a different type. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, if you missed my personal story, I think we talk about that. I was probably in episode one or two where we talk about that. But um, yeah, I mean, I got myself into some massive trouble with payday lending. 
And the other one you want to avoid too is what I call the strip mall financiers, which I think we had talked about this in a previous episode. For me, it was the associates, which kind of does sound like mob financing. <laughs> right. <laughs> But they were like, oh, we'll consolidate all your all your stuff into one convenient payment. Yeah, but that one convenient payment had like a 28% interest rate. So oh, that, that was not good. You know, these are the ones where you hear the commercials where they, they have like these, these sweet sounding catchphrases like, we make loans to people, not credit scores. Hmm. Run away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> Jeez. So, and then, of course, we've got the stuff in the middle, right? This is all like the shades of gray. I call this okay-ish debt. <laughs> okay. So, this is when you're buying something of value that depreciates with a loan. This is your car loans, furniture payments. You know, you just have to be really careful with this kind of debt because I find that it can multiply like rabbits. Right. It's just so easy to get a payment with almost everything that you buy. I mean, I don't know about you, but even when you make a small purchase online, you'll see this little fine print under underneath of it that says, you know, you're getting ready to to check out online and you're gonna make a hundred dollar purchase and it'll say something like, or make four easy payments yep. of twenty-eight dollars with blah blah blah. And it's like you can get a payment for everything. Mm -hmm. anything and everything and those little things might not seem like a lot where you're like oh it's only three bucks more to do it this way but then you multiply that over all the dollars that you're spending like that between car payments and furniture payments and you know the clothing that you just bought online and you decided to turn that into payments next thing you know you're getting this huge credit card bill that you can't pay off and then it becomes a problem and the other thing that um that i find with debt is it can taint what I call your pleasure purchases. So those things that you really want, those things that you want to buy that you want to enjoy, if you have a payment attached to it, it can actually ruin the enjoyment of that thing. Mm -hmm. So let's use a boat as an example. So my husband and I are former boat owners. I think when my husband bought his boat, I think we had a payment for like the first year or two, but he's very debt averse. So he was like, we're going to get this thing paid off. But we would talk to other boat owners and it seemed like they didn't enjoy their boats as much when they had payments attached to them. Because if you think about it now, we were a little extreme we would actually wear wetsuits and we would get started when the water was still cold. Like if the air temperature was warm at the beginning of May, we'd go wakeboarding. Oh, and okay. we would, we, we would be wakeboarding until October <laughs> in our wetsuits. Yeah. That's a little cold. And, um, you know, cause we wanted to maximize our enjoyment of our boat. And, you know, well, we probably had the thing for nine or 10 years and, we loved it. We used the heck out of it. I mean, it was very helpful that my husband is handy so that when there were breakdowns, we weren't spending a small fortune mm -hmm. on it. But I did notice that when we talked to other boat owners who had payments, they would be resenting it, especially in the middle of winter. I was going to say, had, exactly. <laughs> when they had to make that $600 boat payment and it was in storage and they were paying a $200 storage fee or whatever they were paying for that. 
then all of a sudden it turned it into pain mm-hmm. instead of pleasure. So you've got to be careful of that as well. Yeah, I, I was while you're talking about that, I was thinking that exact same thing. You almost feel like it's an obligation to get out on the water, right? We got to get we got to get the boat out. We only had it out once this month, right? I mean, right. gee, many Christmas, mm-hmm. I just made the payment and we haven't even used a stupid thing. And and then, right. like you said, the dead of winter, you're just like, gah, this is just, it's just draining my pocketbook right now. And then in springtime, super excited to get the boat back out. And then again, use it, you know, once or twice a month because your life is busy and mm-hmm. kids have soccer practice and nobody wants to take the boat out with dad and ugh. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So then it's, so then it's like every time you walk past the boat, or you see that the boat payment is due, you no longer love the boat. And the whole point of having it was to enjoy it. And now you're not. So that's what we need to be careful about with going into debt for those pleasurable things. And most of the time people do it because they can't wait, right? They're financing because they want it now and they're not patient enough to save for it. Yeah. And I like to, I kind of flip this a little bit to make it more enjoyable to save up for something. So rather than calling it delayed gratification, because that just sounds boring and nobody wants to do that, I call it prolonged pleasure. And I know we've mentioned this mm-hmm. uh, at least in at least in one other episode. I think it was the one on, I think it was the badass retirement one. Rather than thinking of it as delayed gratification, I like to think of it as prolonged pleasure. And so I make it very exciting to wait, almost like a kid at Christmas as I'm saving things up, you know, saving money up for something. I've got a picture of it on my vision board. I'm excited to see the savings balance grow. I might look at it online. I might think about how it's going to feel to have it. By the time I get it, it's much more satisfying, right? To pay that cash for it. It's a hundred percent yours, right? Yep. And I think that's the other thing too. When you have a loan on something, it's not a hundred percent yours. It's the banks, right? Yep, I mean, depending on how much how much you've paid it off, right? If if you still owe the bank fifty percent of it, then that boat is fifty percent the banks. And that's just not as fun. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna go and take on some debt, you just wanna be careful. Make sure it's debt with a purpose and decide how much debt you can comfortably handle without feeling financially stressed or emotionally stressed. That's really the bottom line here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and not to make light of it, but you know, people have to make that decision for themselves. But at the same time, we can convince ourselves, right? Oh, this isn't going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. So how do you help people gauge that? Because I can really justify anything when it comes to a boat. <laughs> so I love the <laughs> fact that you use that example. But if I lived near nicer bodies of water, I would mm-hmm. most likely have a boat right now because, oh, you know, we're going to get so much use out of this. And now this is debt that we can easily carry. It's not, not that big of a deal. I, I'm comfortable with this. Right. Well, the first part of it is actually crunching the numbers to say, okay, yeah, true. does this make sense on paper first? That's the absolute first thing. And then we can also say, all right, well, if you had, if you had a decrease in your income, does it still make sense? Mm -hmm. And if it does, then we have to do that gut check. And if you're part of a couple, both spouses have to do that gut check. Yeah. hundred (laughs) percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. And and honestly, 
I think we've told the story or what we've talked about the, the first minivan that we ever, we leased a minivan, which is, that's this is a dumb sentence to begin with. But my <laughs> wife and I both went and we didn't have what, what is termed as the no man or no woman, right? Somebody that yeah. goes with you and says, Hey, no, you know, this is not part of the plan that you talked about. And this is way over the budget that you already shared with me and, and so on and so forth. Cause we both got emotionally excited about this van <laughs> and blew our budget out of the water, which is again, really, really stupid. So this is exactly what you do. I mean, it's not that you're going to go to the car dealership with somebody necessarily, unless they're local and you're just going to go hang out anyway. But oh, as a coach, you know what, go ahead. <laughs> I have talked to clients at the car dealership. I've had them call me. Nice. That's yes. awesome. And they're like, let me run these numbers by you. What do you think? Yeah. So okay. my clients well, get that kind of attention. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's why I bring this up. I forgot that you actually told me that before. I don't know if it was on a podcast or just off air one time, but I remember yeah. that. So, yeah, I mean, this is exactly what you do and why you do it. So please mm -hmm. give them contact information so folks can reach out and, and have you in their corner when they need to make these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got debt you want to dump and you want my one-on-one -on -one attention and, and guidance, I've actually opened up time in my calendar to talk to you. So you can set up a time. We'll chat for 15 minutes and talk about potential solutions. And you can hop over to my website, christinelucan.com forward slash apply. Now, I know there's some people out there who prefer a DIY approach. Uh, my program, Financial Dignity on Demand, has an entire module on debt mastery. So that's my program that basically is the A to Z on personal finance and creating financial dignity for yourself. So if you go to financialdignityondemand.com, then you'll find that course right there. Fantastic. Christine, thank you so much. Uh, another great podcast. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I always have so much fun. Me too. <laughs> and I'm not going <laughs> to use a shovel. That's for sure. All right. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much. And of course, our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lucan. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Christine comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review. This actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Money is Emotional, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website at www.christinelucan.com or drop us a line at hello at christinelucan.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Lucan. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.